Welcome to Rock Content's Jam Session podcast series. In each episode, we sit down and talk with industry experts who share proven marketing strategies, best practices for content, tactical advice, and tales of SaaS and entrepreneurship, and so much more. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, well, depending on where you may be joining us from. Uh, my name is Giuseppe Caltabiano. I'm leading brand performance and product marketing here at Rock Content. And today is my great pleasure to host um, this jam session. We have Thomas Kellner, which is a chief storyteller at General Electric. He's also the mind behind G Reports and G Content Marketing Program. Thomas, no pressure. <laughs> but before I will go with the first questions, uh, let me spend some time uh, to remind all of you what the goal of the jam sessions here is. So jam sessions are a mix, it's a container. It's a mix of presentations, interviews, like the one we are doing today, and webinars. They are hosted by us at Rock Content, and they feature marketers, top marketers, SaaS experts, innovators. And we do basically all of this with one common theme, which is uh, we want to provide advice and share trends and best practice about successful content experiences. So that's the main theme. And today we definitely have one uh, of those top marketers and innovators. Thomas is GE Chief Storyteller, as I mentioned already, and uh, he will take us, all of us, behind the scenes and explain the process behind the variety, longevity, and psychology content. a warm welcome to our content jam session. I'm so glad you're here with us today, unfortunately not in person, but thank you. Well, thank you so much for the kind introduction and uh, for the invitation, Giuseppe. And thanks so much for everyone who is online for joining us for this hour. All right, perfect. So let's start with the questions. I will try to split the question in four main categories. We'll start with the origin, with today. Then we will go deep into the content operation. We want to discover some more secrets about what you are doing. We'll talk about brand, and finally, we close with the future. And of course, we will have time for questions coming from the audience. So first of all, I would say, let's start. Maybe, Thomas, you can tell us something about yourself for the people who still don't know who you are. Right. So you may hear it from my accent. So I'm actually originally from the Czech Republic, even though I'm coming to you live from uh, Brooklyn, New York. You know, I come from an engineering family. My mother is an engineer. I have engineers on both sides of the family, my mom's side, so my dad's side. So, you know, being a, sort of a good son, I sort of followed the family tradition, went into engineering, dutifully got my engineering degree uh, over at Prague at the Czech Polytechnic. But, you know, while I was working at, uh, while I was getting my degree, I started working uh, to earn some side money as, a, as an interpreter and a translator at an English language newspaper in Prague called the Prague Post. And I really loved it. And I loved uh, going to interviews. I loved asking questions and then all writing it up. So I started, you know, I was getting my first bylines. And uh, after I graduated, I actually didn't apply for an engineering job and went straight into journalism, uh, got a Fulbright scholarship, ended up here at Columbia in New York, and then spent some, you know, spent uh, eight years as a staff writer at Forbes doing primarily business journalism. So that was sort of my grounding, as you can see, sort of being, you know, at GE, which is sort of the perfect marriage of both worlds of being an engineer, but also being a, a journalist at the same time. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Well, this is the official bio, right? Yeah. But you're a journalist and this is one of the, in my opinion, one of the interesting aspects of content marketing, this kind of convergence between the journalistic and the marketing worlds. Mm -hmm. But can you tell us the dirty story behind how you really started with General Electric and when you realized that there was a need for the brands to invest in stories? You know, I think that the, one of the most important qualities for a human being in general, whether you're a journalist or whether you're a scientist or engineer, you know, whether you are a writer, is curiosity. And I'm sort of very inherently curious person. And that's why, maybe that's why even, that's why I got into journalism in the first place. I wanted to know how things work. So here's really the dirty secret. You really wanted to know it. So after eight years at Forbes, I got an offer from a private investigation firm called Crawl in New York. And it's business intelligence investigations. Really, you get involved in deals, in M&As and, and due diligence. It's sort of the stuff that every business reporter wants to know, but you will never really get to know it. Maybe on a good day, somebody will give you some information, but all of that is kind of off limits. And it was amazing. 
And, you know, being in New York and, you know, many of the clients were Wall Street clients, uh, white shoe law firms, you really get to know how the business world works. And I've done it for six years. But after those six years, I started missing writing because I was writing reports. I was writing up my investigations, but the audience would be a CEO or the board, you know, or some outside counsel, you know, a, a group of lawyers. And at that point, GE uh, found me through my journalistic network. They came to me and basically said, look, we have this blog called GE Reports, and we don't know what to do with it. We would like you to, you know, if you're interested, we have an opening here to really to do something with it. And I actually, they didn't really say it in so many words, but I thought that the choice there was either turn it into something bigger or let's just kill it. And um, back then, the chief communications officer was Gary Sheffer, also an, a journalist in his prior life. And so I kind of understood his vision and took it as a challenge. So I joined GE in 2011 and really took it as an opportunity. Uh, back then, GE Reports was just a block. And just to give you a little bit of a background, you know, GE Reports started 12 years ago, believe it or not, during the financial crisis. And the main reason for it is like, I know we are talking about you know, content marketing and brand journalism. But this was primarily a communications tool, really sort of sitting in a communication wheelhouse of the company. And Gary launched it to open up its own channel to reach audiences outside because during the financial crisis in 2008, the company had G Capital, which was the seventh largest bank in the United States. Of course, we were caught up in it. And all the media stories out there were just negative basically pointing that, you know, saying that GE may not be around here the next day. And so Gary wanted to really show what is really happening inside the company. And then he launched GE Reports and it was very effective. It uh, really served him well and it was a great idea. When I joined in 2011, the intensity of the crisis kind of abated, passed away. And the place, the blog became sort of a dumping ground for press releases because there was no content to go on. And I guess they wanted to do something with it. And that's what I, I saw the opportunity. Let's say I said, look, coming from the magazine world, let's turn it into a science magazine or technology magazine like Wired, but with a GE point of view, because GE had all these divisions. We had aviation, we had healthcare, we had energy, and we had a really interesting point of view on you know, how to, you know, future of travel, the future of healthcare, uh, the energy transition, the climate change. But let's tell these stories. And that was sort of the origin of G reports to sort of eventually evolve to what it is now. And in fact, you know, when we met the first time, met a couple of times, if I'm not wrong, New York first, and then the last time we met in Prague, and we were both uh, speakers, if I'm not wrong, at the marketing conference. And when I met you the last time, you still were responsible for GE reports, right? Today you have a different title. How different is your role today from the one you had when we met the last time? What it really has a sort of, back then I was probably just, uh, I was the editor in chief of reports. It really has, we've sort of evolved uh, reports from a blog to a media hub to where we tell, not only tell our stories, but also produce videos, infographics. We have a new newsletter called, a, well, it's not new. I mean, it's been around for two years, but it's new since we talked, I believe last time, called a GE Brief that goes to 70,000 people twice a week. So we have an internal newsletter. So the idea is really as a chief storyteller is to aggregate and find, it's through, it is to find and produce the best stories that you can inside the company. And the way I sort of measure it, what is the best story? It is stories that the company would like to read about itself on the front page of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. That's how good these stories. We don't hit that mark every time, but we try. We try every time. We don't succeed every time. And so the idea is to mine these stories, get them out of the ground, and then to push them into these various channels. So not only that we publish these stories on GE reports, but, you know, they go across various social media channels. If you go on GE.com right now, you will see our stories splashed all over the GE's home site. They go to investors as part of the investors newsletter. They go to employees through our monogram, which is our internal uh, newsletter for 200,000 employees. They go to, you know, outside, we aim at, at customers. On social media, some of these stories get 
translate it, you know, what I call it sort of you slice it and dice it and convert it into social media copy. They're part of paid partnerships. Right now we are running a, a partnership with Bloomberg in the United States. And we will discuss also the distribution later. And this evolution is, by the way, typical of uh, successful content hubs, right? It happened to GA reports. It, it also happened to Amex, for instance. It was a separated hub, and then it was integrated inside the website. So you basically today have a much more, you have a wider responsibility, right? In, instead of just focusing on the report itself. Uh, what's the favorite part of your current role and why, uh, Thomas? You know, really... The- They're funny because the favorite part of my role has been kind of taken away from me with the COVID pandemic. It is really to, um, and we have to all adapt and we all have to pivot, but it is really visiting the factories and, and talking to the people in there, the scientists, the engineers who are working, as I mentioned, they're trying to solve these great challenges that the world is facing. Say, you know, when it comes to climate change, the energy transition, Germany wants to be, I don't know if they have any German viewers online right now, but Germany is going to 80% renewable energy by 2050. That's in 30 years. Now the wind doesn't always blow and we know it's dark overnight. So how are you going to get solar power? It has to be solved somehow. And there are engineers inside GE who are trying to work on these challenges. So going to them and talking to them and sort of trying to explain uh, how this works is how it's going to be done is super cool, super interesting. Another thing is like, you know, What I tell people when they ask me about content, you know, why do people come to you, to your site? Why do they read it? And, you know, we do paid, but even organic, just organic traffic, we have, we are in the hundreds of thousands every month on, that's just G reports alone that excludes social media. And it is because we really try to tell stories that connect to these big themes. As I mentioned, climate change or, or, or diversity and inclusion, Black Lives Matter in the U.S. You know, after the George Floyd killing in May in the United States, We went into the company and we profiled uh, Black American employees from officers to engineers who just started and really tried to showcase their journey. And we tried to ask them what they were saying. And so we published that. So really getting this firsthand information that I can, that I loved when I was at Forbes. You know, they say like the New York Times is the first draft of history. I mean, it is true. Like you getting that information raw and then you repackaging it for your audiences. You know, I love that. And I really love that I work for a company that's contributing in so many levels or try to play an active role in in solving some of these challenges that we see around us. Thank you, Thomas. And I found really this fascinating. But one of the questions I always had, it's about the dimension of Mm -hmm. the size of General Electric. And I tell you this because, as you probably know, I was in Schneider Electric, which is still a giant energy and I was responsible for content for one of the divisions and uh, it was so complex to put people together and you know to face with the complexity of the organization now the question for me is is a so large organization how did you manage to have this huge corporation to embrace in a certain way uh, not to be afraid of this kind of disruptive nature of storytelling and marketing what kind of resistance eventually to content marketing you have received from the organization itself, for instance, resistance to change or maybe to change processes or existing systems. Can you tell me something more about the complexity of the organization and how do you you deal on a daily basis with it? You know, I have the good fortune of working for GE and I think the company is large, but it really, the company was founded by Thomas Edison. And, you know, he famously said, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways that didn't work. And the company was really open to experimentations and trying things. And, you know, one thing that I really want to leave, you know, with you, Giuseppe, and you know it because we talked about it before, but with everybody who's watching us, you know, this content marketing and brand journalism space is really not new. You know, I am standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, GE opened its first bureau in 1921. So we are going to have news bureau. Well, so we are going to have a hundredth anniversary next year. I mean, just show, I, I actually went into archives and um, GE has a, uh, there's a museum in Schenectady where GE used to be headquartered. And there's a gentleman named Chris Hunter and he basically stores everything. And it's a really a treasure trove. And when I have some spare time, I love to, sort of talk to him and see what's there. 
Uh, so I looked for the origins of G reports. You know, I just told you, you started in 2008, 12 years ago. Well, that's not tr really true. G had a news bureau uh, started in 2000 and, uh, in 1921. And but so before you are going to disclose some secrets with us. I'm going to disclose some secret. Let me just see uh, if I can actually do this sharing thing with you. Uh, let's see over here. So I'll show you that I'm not kidding over here. Oh, yeah, we can see. You can see it. And I just have to find out where it is on my screen so I can show you. So I can scroll. And so if you hear this underlying, so October 1921, establishment of a news bureau under the joint management of an advertising department and publication bureau. So it's basically what they did, it was PR, public relations and marketing or advertising. They got together and they said, well, let's tell stories. Now I wanna show you something else. So there was this guy who started it. His name was Chester Lang. He was an old newspaper, who well, not old back then, but he was a newspaper editor. And uh, let me, I'm gonna show you this other, interesting screen and then I'm, then I'm going to stop sharing because uh, uh just for a purpose of time but i've annotated it yesterday and it's right here share so chester lang he was a journalist for a, a circus news with one of the new york state newspapers and um his job was to solicit stories from companies including general electric and he was getting these crappy press releases. Like when you see, he says, when I wrote Generic Electric for a story, the results were most disappointing. I would get a story written in commercial language accompanied by one or two column cuts. You know, this is 1919, mind you, this was before the word, not WordPress, whatever it is, uh, the Microsoft yeah. Word that we are using. So he was really unhappy. So this being, I guess, America, and this being, uh, you know, and, and Chester Lang being an, an enterprising journalist, he said, well, why don't I go to GE and pitch myself to them? Maybe they can hire me. And so they did. He did. And they hired him. So this is, you can see, like he said, he basically sold himself, uh, again, said, I'm sure there must be wealth of material to work on in such a big concern as, as General Electric. And uh, I could see how General Electric could considerably get good publicity if they published only their news as a news style, so it's sort of a news stories. Now, the interesting thing is in the beginning, he went to the public relations department and the marketing department got wind of what this guy, Chester Lang and his boss was trying to do. So they started competing against each other. So they were basically almost like two newspapers inside GE trying to vying for the better story. Now, as you know, probably um, it's in many of your organizations is that the most companies sort of in my experience, the brand journalism and, um, and content marketing divisions or units sit under marketing, but it's some companies it's under communications. And uh, at GE, we started under communications, but we really trying to integrate everything together. So we sort of, you know, the talk, the name of this talk was Back to the Future. And this is really Back to the Future. Back then, it was comms and marketing. On and that's how things started, right? Finally, they're coming together. I just want to show you this one last thing. So this thing, I mean, that really speaks to me. Like he said it 100 years ago, and I could have said it today. You could have said it, Giuseppe, many of you watching us. You know, I was always most careful to never forget that I was a newspaper man. But so he was really trying to story that he would not write a story or publish a story that didn't feel like news. That is exactly right. I mean, these stories that we publish cannot be self-serving. They have to contribute. Every time when you publish brand content or any story in a newspaper as a journalist, it's a transaction, right? You're paying the writer with some type of information that the reader that they find useful. And uh, they are paying you for that information with their time. That's what it is in our, you know, obviously if it's the New York Times, they subscribe to the newspaper. But here we just want their time. And this is the last one that I'll show. It's like my instructions to writers in the news bureau where that they give the final reading of the story. Basically, imagine themselves in the former newspaper job. You know, is this a story that they would like to get? And this is exactly, this is exactly what I tell my readers. So to answer your questions, GE, we've developed a culture of content. We believe in stories. Stories is something that's ingrained in us. Like we have it, like our brains are wired for a story. And we respond to stories. When somebody tells us something in a story form, 
we remember it better. We can pass it on better because it's sort of, you know, it's a, there's a formula to it. And so GE has never really moved away. We've kind of forgotten our roots. That's why I had to go to the archive and really find these things. We forgot well, thank you for sharing this awesome insight, Thomas. <laughs> so, but it's for real. I mean, so it's been here. So that's number one. Number two, and then we'll move on because I think we are, I don't want to just get stuck over here. But the second thing is I really tried to run G reports the way, say, we used to run Forbes when I was there with international bureaus, with the individual businesses being, say, like a country bureaus or, you know, uh, a continent bureaus. Just you said that there were divisions inside Schneider Electric that would not really buy in into this uh, continent. Correct. So my job is to go into these divisions that are somewhat reluctant and convince them. And one way we to do it is that I've developed a storytelling workshop. So I go in and I sit down with salespeople, communicators, marketers, whoever comes, the door is open. And I, we go through the basics of a story and you know why it matters and why we need to tell it and how it's effective. So that those are some of the tools that we use. That's why I think you are doing an amazing job. And now we go into the second section of the questions, which is uh, more about content operations. First of all, who is your audience? Can you just give us some insights about your audience? So I'll tell you. So our audience, I'll give you sort of the broad level. So our audience is, you know, it starts with, you know, obviously customers. I'll give you the most important ones. Customers, investors, media, technology enthusiasts. They are super important because they create that halo around. They are the ones who share. Employees. You know, those are four, five key audiences that we have. Now, if you go on GE Reports or the GE.com home site, you'll find stories that appeal that everyone, every single person from these audiences will find something that they like. Not everything, but there's going to be a story or two that they like. But then we, as I said, we sort of slice and dice the content and really package it for these individual groups. So with their employee profiles, we send them through the internal newsletter, through our monogram. If there are stories, say, how GE is uh, overhauling its operations and saving cash, we tell these business stories, how GE makes money. We send these stories to investors. When we do an, a customer profile, we target that to customers. So those are some of our key audiences right there. That's very insightful. Now let's start to talk about the operational model. Content creation, especially in a complex organization like GE needs a very structured operational model. Can you tell us more about how you have organized your editorial team? You, do you have an editorial board, for instance? Mm -hmm. And if you do, how many times per week or per month you are meeting with them? Uh, also, which tool eventually you are using? I ask you this because I remember when I was in Schneider, leading content marketing for one of the four divisions was uh, so complex that I had to go at least with one editorial board meeting per week. Mm -hmm. And of course, several side meetings, uh, sometimes daily. What about UNG? So, you know, it's something that I, you know, that I already mentioned is that we really sort of try to tell, run the run G reports, the media hub, as we would a media operation. And so, but that said, you know, let me maybe sort of pull back and show you the structure. So it will surprise you, many of you, it might surprise you that inside GE, we are actually very small. So there are just two of us really inside GE who it's my responsibility. And I work with another colleague from communications who is helping us. That's just pure content. There's obviously there are people who are helping us with backend who, who run the site and so on. But on the broader editorial team on the outside, I would say there's about a dozen writers and editors. And we have a two teams of videographers. And now we are thinking about launching a podcast. So that's going to be also externally you know, we are selecting, uh, we're actually very close to finding a, there's a great outfit here in New York that we really like. So that is sort of the structure. On the inside, though, as I said, you know, about the news bureaus. So what I've done is I've developed really these eyes on the grounds, boons on the ground, sort of reporters. Even Forbes would have a reporter in London or they would have a reporter in Prague or in Paris uh, reporting on that part of the world. So I try to do with my storytelling workshop, really develop my own reporters, a cadre of reporters in all of the businesses who now they come in and pitch me stories because we, we want to go beyond a press release. Obviously, if there's a big deal or big announcements, we have to tell that story. But many of the stories are sort of hidden inside the businesses and they will be never, they never, they will never be told 
unless we tell them. No one else will tell these stories. And so I really train the communicators. And so how do we communicate with them? So with them, it's a lot of that is sort of one-on-one basis. There's a one weekly call with everyone called the PRCOE, where a lot of the ideas get percolated, sort of what's coming up. I you know, work very closely. At the same time, all of these stories have to ladder up to some central strategy that the company is, is running, right? So we just don't write any story. All of the stories have to support the strategy that the CEO has set for the company. That's what I'm getting paid for. I just have to find the most interesting examples, the most colorful examples to really flesh that out. So for that, I really meet with the communications team three times a week. I sit on their calls. uh, Three times a week. Three times a week. It's in the morning, you know, not a long call, 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. You know, we are a small team. Uh, fairly nimble. And then I meet a couple times a week with the with the marketing team and sort of see sort of what they are doing. And together, sort of it gives me an idea to create our editorial calendar. We run an editorial calendar. You ask for a tool. So we run it in Airtable. Actually, Airtable has been very, we've tried many different things and Airtable has worked for us really well. That said, one thing I want to also mention, it's super key and it's, we spend a lot of time working on it. It's really uh, delivering great results. Again, one of my colleagues helped me set it up and it's the approval process. It's really, if you think about content, it's like a house and the approval process, it's the plumbing and it's the electricity that's in the wall. So you don't see it, but it's there. And if you have a house without plumbing, you know, you don't have a house. So really getting the lawyers, telling the lawyers what we need, that a, lo- that a story is not a press release. It's not an advertising copy. What we need in these stories that we use different language. Uh, So having everyone on the same page, in that sense, we can get copy really through very quickly when we need to. And sometimes we need to, sometimes we are on very, very tight deadlines because if there's a deal we don't know about, we don't preview off, you find out about it the day before. So that is really super important part. That's part of the- Thomas, talking about the stories you are mentioning, how do you find these stories that at the same time, first of all, have a connection with G, but still have that kind of news feeling, which is then the focus of, uh, of G reports. How, how do you find those stories? How do you search for them? That's my job. <laughs> That's why I go to the factories. You know, I talk to people. You know, the stories don't come to you. You have to go out. That's what the journalist does. You go out and you look for these stories. I mean, believe me, I like my, you know, I often start at 6, 7 a.m., you know, because of Europe, and I end up late. And it's not that I write and edit the whole day. I often, you know, I spend on the phone, I spend on, on email. I have groups of people coming together. You know, we have, right now, we have calls on Microsoft Teams or, you know, whatever a video conferencing service you're using, and we debate stories. Like, is there someone who fits this profile? You know, I just give you an example, you know, Veterans Day. It's a big deal in the U.S., in Europe as well, in London. And, um, just past uh, week. And so we were looking for a pro for a good person to profile for Veterans Day. You know, I don't know. I'm sitting here at corporate. The stories are not at the corporate level. They are in the businesses. And uh, so I really had, I, I can't travel. So I had to get together with a whole bunch of people across the business and really try to find the right people to profile. Eventually we did. We found some really great candidates. So, you know, what makes it newsworthy? Have I heard from this per- about this person before? Is he doing something that only is beneficial to GE or to something bigger? Well, if that person is doing that's beneficial to something bigger, again, we talk about the future of healthcare. You know, is he building a new I- imaging machine that can detect cancer uh, faster or a cure COVID? Or, you know, develop a vaccine. You know, we're doing a story like GE's building engines for these cargo jets, right? That they are going to be distributing the vaccine. So we are trying to interview pilots and people, you know, who are working on this. I'll give you another example and then we can move on. Is there were these horrific fires in Australia this year, but also in California. Well, a lot of these jets, these super tanker jets, they're formerly passenger jets, but the belly is filled with fire retardant. So a lot of these jets are actually using jet, GE jet engines. Now, they're very heavy, but they fly very low in the mountainous area, and yet they have to get out of the scrape. So amazing story for technology. But you know what? We moved away. We left the engines behind, and we just interviewed these pilots. They are not even GE employees. 
but we really wanted to know sort of what is happening. These people who are using the customers who are using GE tech, how are they using it to solve, you know, pardon the pun, but the burning problem that, that California has had, you know, over the last several years, but really in a pressing way, uh, especially this year. So that's saying you find the interesting people inside the company, but also outside, I mentioned customers, telling customer stories is super important and you need to develop these relationships beyond the GE businesses and reach out to the customers and tell stories with the customers as well. Right, now let me go with a difficult question. <laughs> Do you have total freedom to decide what to publish or you get some influence coming from inside the company saying to cover specific topics? No, I don't have a total freedom, no but us. I mean, I never had, I didn't have a total freedom when I was at Forbes. As I said, it really has to, everything has to be connected to the company strategy, right? I mean, I am paid by GE, I'm, I'm paid to tell GE stories. At the same time, I try to tell GE stories that resonate with the rest of the world, with the world, not just of the GE world, but also the big world outside. So, um, but to answer specifically your question, uh, my editorial calendar, which we really start planning a year ahead, so we are about to start doing 2021, is uh, that we look at these big milestones, right? So there are certain things that we have to say, like the deals, there are trade shows that we have to cover. Say that next year is gonna be the Paris Air Show. They're uh, just coming up right, right now in at the end of November is a huge healthcare show in Chicago called RSNA. So we have to create content around it. And so the businesses come to me, be it healthcare or aviation, and say, we wanna do a story about this. And I say, yes. And so this is about 40% of the content that we produce. And I sort of say, this is the purpose. This is why we exist. We exist because we tell these stories that the company wants to tell. But then they have the 60%. And that is the, those are the passion stories. Those are the stories about these pilots who are fighting the fires. You know, employee profiles that, as I said, nobody would have told if he didn't tell them. So that's the 60%. And then those are the stories that you really have to get into the woodwork and go and try to find them. Everything has to connect with the strategy of the company. It's really super important that we are all connected and we are all pulling in the same direction. You know, that is the sort of the magic trick. It's like you tell the company story, but you tell it in an engaging way. It's a balancing act. We tried, we haven't really, you know, fallen off uh, badly. <laughs> Uh, we don't always succeed, but that's where we are going. Right, and I imagine that it's not definitely an easy task. Uh, now, let me quote yourself. You said in a previous interview, it's not enough to just come with great stories. You have to get the story out, and you need to build an audience that will take it, engage with it, and share it through their networks. This is a key skill that every journalist today must master. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is about distribution. And you already mentioned some of the distribution channels you are using, but what's your distribution approach? Is it all organic? You go with organic and paid. Uh, you go with the localization for different parts of the world. Just a few notes about your distribution plan. Okay. Well, let me just step back again, sort of to tie everything to content. You know, I'm strongly believe in producing quality content. Again, Giuseppe, you mentioned that your previous employer was Schneider Electric. You know, GE Grid Solutions and Schneider Electric are competitors. They compete with each other big companies, but my content is not competing with Schneider Electric's content. I am competing with eyeballs, you know, with content produced by the Wall Street Journal, by Wired, by the New York Times, because guess what? Content online has exploded, but we still only have 24 hours in a single day, and maybe of that, 50 minutes or an hour that people dedicate to reading. I have to produce content that's good enough that gets into that 50 minutes. In that sense, that is really, that's why I put huge emphasis, and this is all ties to distribution. When I talk to my writers, I say, just like the guy that I just showed you, you know, Chester Lang, 100 years ago, I say, write a story. Is this a story that you would publish in your newspaper or that you would write when you wrote for a newspaper? And uh, that is sort of our measure. Because once you have that story, that gives you automatically a momentum for organic traffic. So that's how we start, just putting it out there, just using your, our own distribution channels, 
you know, even just Twitter or, you know, it's putting in on a G social media networks, being LinkedIn or Facebook or whatnot, what are you using? But um, what we really try to do, we try to build our own distribution channels. Uh, and I mentioned some of the, you know, internal and investor newsletters, which every company has. But one thing that I'm really proud of that the team has, and it was a larger team that has worked on this, is the GE Brief, which is our own newsletter that has about 70,000 followers. These are people, we send out the newsletter twice a week. And um, these are people who, we didn't subscribe these people. These are people who opted in to receive the newsletter. And so we work with them. And um, now comes the part with the data, with the analytics, right? I do think that a lot of content marketers or brand journalists sort of get content backwards. There is this huge focus on data and analytics and not as much focus on product. And I think you have to really start with product and do the analytics because I'll show you how it works with the newsletter. So we have the newsletter that we pack with the best content that we could produce. You know, it's not always up there, but it's pretty good, pretty consistently. Suddenly we start seeing people who interact with the content much more than others. So these people become our ambassadors. So when we know who the ambassadors are, we can reward them. So for example, last summer, we knew there was a webinar with uh, some of G healthcare experts and also some customers on the future of healthcare and specifically on the AI applications in diagnosis, whether it's a heart disease or lung disease or you know, in connection with COVID or cancer. So we invited these uh, ambassadors on the seminar so they could listen in. So they wouldn't even have it filtered through us. They could actually be present there in a room and listen to these experts to discuss these topics. So that's sort of the audience. That's how we're trying to build it. Really, it's not that it's just it's organic and earn traffic. We really try to build it organically. Now, that said, if we see a story that's obviously we do all the metrics, we do metrics, we measure things very, very diligently. And when we see that an important story is taking off, we put paid behind it. And, but again, we saw sort of where is it? Like which platform is driving it? So sort of the, you know, the emotional stories, say family stories, people's stories do well on Facebook. So maybe we, we go there. Some of the business stories do really well on LinkedIn. So we put paid yeah. behind it on LinkedIn. It's just becomes, I mean, you know, this play, uh, then you can go out and we work with an outside outfit. Again, that's sort of another leg of this content family that we have that's helping us. And there's a colleague inside the global director of communications here at GE, uh, Mac Thurlow, who is really helping with the analytics. And so she's helping me sort of to make sure that we know who is reading it and putting it in front of other people. And also, you know, one thing is it's super important, finding audiences. So, you know, you can do then the metrics sort of who is the... You can do an audience profile and say, okay, I have an audience profile of people who really, you know, jam or love the GE reports content. What other audiences there out there like that, that maybe would respond in a similar way. And so then we just put paid behind it and show it to these people. So it's, we do paid, we promote our stories, we do metrics, but we do it in a very kind of smart and a targeted way. But again, it stands on the high quality content that we try to produce every day. Super clear. Uh, how do you measure success of G reports? How do you know if you are really winning the battle for the hearts and mind of people? I mean, many things just tied to what I just said, but we do uh, newsletter subscriptions, for example. That's a big one. And again, these are people of the, on their own who go and subscribe for this email that goes into their inbox, which is probably already full. It is the open rates. So how many people are actually opening it? The one thing is super important, again, this goes back to this, our origins, you know, communications and marketing. Marketing is great. You know, as I said, we are part of this Bloomberg campaign that's being run, the promotional campaign. But communications, we are, content marketing and brand journalism are a really powerful communication tool. And so people link back to us. People, New York, I mean, we did our, we sort of pivoted in March and try to start to really tell a lot of stories, how GE is helping, you know, push back against COVID. You know, a lot of people have linked back to us. A lot of journalists picked up on our content, used our quotes, took our photos, link, you know, it, when the New York Times, and I'm not just bragging, they really did link back to us. Uh, Barron's, you know, the Wall Street Journal. 
Um, when the New York Times links back to your story, you know, you can pay someone to do your SEO optimization, but, you know, a link back from a New York Times, that's gold. That's just pure gold. Suddenly, you're like, boom, your story really shoots up. Yeah. So that is super important. It's these metrics, sort of non-obvious metrics. It's a basket of metrics that we really sort of developed that we follow over the years that seem to move the needle for us. And uh, these are some of the few that I, you know, that I would probably mention at the top of my head. Okay. Perfect. You could spend a day with me and I could. <laughs> uh, we don't have, unfortunately, the whole day, but definitely some more time for questions. Let's move to the brand. And let's talk specifically about brand purpose. Brand purpose and social responsibility, especially now with COVID, are really proliferating. What do you think it is the role of content for all matters related to brand purpose? So it's actually a great question because GE just relaunched its purpose, right? So our new purpose is we rise to the challenge to build a world that works. Because it, whether it's power, you know, whether it's healthcare, whether it's aviation, uh, renewables, that's you know, right there, I'll leave that with you. You can interpret it in any way. It's really high level. It's kind of floating up there, over there, because you won't see me, high in the air. So my job as, you know, chief storyteller at GE is really to bring life to sort of to, and use the word content in sort of like a different meaning, right? To fill it out, to flesh out sort of what this brand purpose means, sort of explain. So what are the challenges that the world is facing and how, is GE helping to solve them? So they, they, I think that's, you know, that sort of that's where content marketing and brand journalism really comes in, is that you sort of bring in concrete examples that your brand purpose is not just some nice phrase, you know, do no evil in Google's, you know, or what, I don't know what Facebook is. I'm sure they have some, I forgot it, but it was, it was in my mind. But every company has one. So my job is to really to illustrate that it's not just an empty phrase to give meaning to it. All right, clear. I'm going to go with a couple of additional questions and then we'll leave some space to the audience questions that are coming. Um, first of all, let's talk about creativity. There is evidence that creativity in content advertising is increasing marketing effectiveness. Now, Thomas, what do you think about the role of creativity within content creation and how do you use eventually creativity in your stories? I mean, it's super important. And I, I, you know, I said it before, it's like, you need to be creative. You can't be boring. I mean, you already coming into this transaction between the, the audience and you with baggage, right? You are a company. People already are there suspecting you that you're trying to sell something. Now, it is true. I mean, we are paid because we are helping our companies to be successful. That is our job. But we have to do it in a way that's, surprising, that is uh, engaging, that is creative. You cannot be boring. You want the readers, the audiences walk away from your video or podcast or infographic or a story and say, hey, that was really cool. That was really cool. And um, I want to really follow these guys because they're doing something that I believe is important. You know, like, it's like when you meet someone for the first time and you'll say, you know, Giuseppe, he's a really cool guy. I, it's true. It's when I met you, <laughs> when I met you in Prague, I thought you were really cool. We didn't get a chance to have a beer together, but unfortunately, but so it's the same way. Often these people have never, there's so many people like, yes, you know, hundreds of thousands of people come to us every month, but the vast, vast majority of the world's people have never heard of G reports. And my job is to go there when they run into a G reports content somewhere online say, hey, this is really cool. I would like to read another story. Well, you are probably right. But at the same time, especially among us, uh, G Reports is still the example that comes to our mind whenever we talk about B2B content marketing. Um, I have a final question. How, in your opinion, content marketing is evolving? And as a consequence, how is your approach evolving? It starts with the story. It starts with the content. It's just the channels are going to be different. You know, one thing that I was, uh, again, reading in those um, old archival documents about Chester Lang. So in 1919, believe it or not, radio was brand new and there was no television. Now, as it happened, you know, GE opened its own radio station upstate in Schenectady, and they also started building some of the first TV sets. So they gave Chester Lang a medium to experiment with content. You know, that's why we, you know, 50 years later, hired Ronald Reagan 
to go with a microphone and interview people in factories. And the same way I go on Facebook Live and interview people in factories, that's another part of my job that I didn't mention. You know, except, you know, Ronald Reagan would be followed by Fred Astaire. You know, I don't have uh, some superstar to follow me. But, um, you know, so what's coming? I'm really excited about 5G, for example. 5G, imagine that, you know, you would be, you and I would be talking and 5G, I, we could do an interview in a factory. And when I'm bored at looking at myself or I, I'm not bored at looking at you, Giuseppe, but say I would like to sort of see, you know, on those elephants that you have on the wall, I could kind of scroll, you know, I could look around, you could have a 360 camera and you could still hear my voice, but I could sort of look around and see, explore the room, explore the space. Virtual reality is another one. I could really, t- you know, I my job takes me to some really super cool places, you know, like the world's most powerful offshore wind turbine, you know, one of them powers, can power, I believe 30,000 homes or whatever, some crazy things like one spin can power like 10,000 houses for a day. Don't quote me on this, but it's, <laughs> it's like that big. It's in Rotterdam. I go there, you know, I write the story, we do video. That's all you got. Now imagine that I would go in and I could take you on a virtual tour. You would put on some headset and you can do it with the Oculus. And suddenly it's not, not just me telling you about it, but you are actually seeing it and you are sort of seeing how it works. You can engage completely different audiences. So I think, uh, you know, what I tell marketers and communicators is really try, look at these new channels. You know, people have been telling stories for 50,000 years, like we were sitting, before we knew how to write, we were sitting around campfires and telling stories. That's the origin. We're still doing the same thing, except now we can do it in virtual reality. We can do it uh, you know, in many different ways. We can do it on TikTok, we can do it on Snapchat, we can do video, we can do a podcast. So the product is the same. Good story is a good story. But the channel is that where you can sort of explore and where you can gain new audiences. You know, Snapchat, I'll give you one last example and and then we can maybe go to questions. But um, in the 50s, uh, when uh, the Soviet Union set up Sputnik, everybody panicked in the U.S. because, you know, Americans wanted to send a a space probe up there as well, but they didn't have enough engineers. So people tried to get people into companies or into engineering professions. Well, GE try to find a channel. Like how do we engage young people so they would, fall, they would go into engineering? So what do you think they did? They started producing comic books about electricity, about nuclear power plants, how, about jet flight. They hired people who, there was this guy, George Inky Russos. He was a, I think he did Superman. Like really like top notch uh, comic writers and artists to draw these comic books. I, if you Google GE and comics, you may find some of these stories out there. It's very similar to what GE is doing right now on Snapchat. We are engaging audiences in colleges because you know now we are, GE is not competing you know, with Soviet Union for technological supremacy, but we are competing with Google. We are competing with Elon Musk, with SpaceX. There is only, again, there is a limited pool of talent and they can go to Silicon Valley or they can go to GE. So we have to present to them that company is really cool and working on some really cool things. And for that, we really have to find new channels to reach them. So that's, I would say, just really be out there and be creative, see what's coming up and experiment. All right. Thank you very much, Thomas. We have five minutes. So let's pick up some a couple of uh, questions from the audience and, and let's try to maybe go with short answers. First of all, Jesse is asking, do you have an SEO expert in G Reports? Do we have any what? SEO. Not inside the company, but we work with an outside company that's helping us uh, optimize our headlines. Often things that are on the back end that you don't see, sort of how we tag images and how we tag our stories. Right. Thank you, Thomas. Monica is asking, one example you could share with us on I should have done it differently. Look, obviously, yes, what we do is not perfect. You know, I can tell you sometimes like we try to tell a complex story and, you know, I am a writer, you know, I love reading. I just like, I love with words, you know, you may see some of my books behind me. And so I write it out. I just get into it and I write this word, this story that I think is, you know, pretty good, you know, 1500 words. 
But sometimes people just don't want to read 1,500 words. Sometimes you need an infographic. So really finding out what the right tool for communicating that story is. And sometimes you need both because some people want to read a story and some people just want to glance at it. So that it took me uh, some time really to get better at it. And I'm still getting better at it. So figuring out what is the right tool to tell a specific story? Because you can have a video, you can have an infographic, you can have a drawing, you know, you can have a podcast really so go behind the scenes. So um, that's one of the examples that I would mention. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, we have a couple of minutes, so let's go with one more. Kevin is asking, can Thomas give some advice on approaching companies and how to suggest taking over their blog and storytelling? What's the best way to prove its value? Basically, you have to come in and you have to learn what the company is doing, right? You have to, like, when I started at GE, I did a, a huge homework. I mean, I, I read all the books that were available in there. I'm still learning. I keep, you know, as, I, as you saw those, those archival documents. So Kevin, for you, if you have a specific target company, just find out what they do, what makes them special, who are the special people inside the company, and then just go to them and pitch them on it because you will ultimately have to become an expert. What I was trying to say that, yes, you can do this. You can do content with outside agencies and most companies do it and we do it as well. Obviously, as I showed you, we have a lot of outside partners, but you, you need, there must be at least one person on the inside or on the outside, but kind of on the inside who really understands what the company is doing, what the strategy is, where it's going and where it came from. So you could focus these stories. And if you can, Kevin, prove that to that company that you try to talk to, I think they'll listen to you. Right. Thank you very much, Thomas. We are running out of time. So, Thomas, thank <laughs> you so much. It was a lot of fun, a real pleasure. Thank you for finding the time to be with us. Hopefully next time we'll be in person. What's the best way to contact you for the audience? I'm always on LinkedIn. So reach out to me, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also, you can reach out to me on my work email, which is uh, just first.last, so thomas.kellner at ge.com, super simple. So if you need anything, just uh, just email me. Or, but LinkedIn is, a, is probably the best platform. I try to sort of engage, share some of the stories that I really like and uh, from GE reports, but also stories that others are producing. Right. Thank you, Thomas. Um, to everyone on the line, well, thank you for being with us today at this 14th, if I'm wrong, episode of our Jam Session. Please mark your calendar to join us on December the 3rd, uh, 1 p.m. East. Uh, we will be interviewing Paul Rotzer uh, of the Marketing um, AI Institute. and We'll be discussing about the role of AI in marketing. This is definitely one uh, not to be missed. Uh, finally, we have our product stream with Jam Session on December the 10th, where uh, our own uh, head of content, Stephanie Mansueto, will uh, introduce the topic how to create rockstar interactive content, a, a rockstar, sorry, interactive content team. Again, thank you, Thomas. I truly hope to see you soon in person. Thank you to all participants. Have a great day and a great rest of the week. Thank you, Giuseppe. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rock Content's Jam Session podcast series. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to receive our latest episodes. We'll see you next week.